Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Open up your Bibles to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. These are the words of Paul to the church at Corinth, to the Corinthian church. And he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which all you also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, this morning, we thank you for the beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit that we're able to sense and feel in this auditorium. We thank you for the precious people that have come out this morning. And Lord, you know us all individually. You know our needs. You know our hurts. You know our wants. You know everything about us. And this Resurrection Sunday, oh Lord, make yourself more real to us than ever before. And especially those that may not know you this morning, Lord, we just pray that you manifest yourself and touch the hearts of people. Those that are here for the first time, maybe even in a meeting like this for the first time, that they may be able to sense the sweetness of your presence. And know that it's the resurrected Christ that is touching their lives. Lord, we have hope in you. Without you, we are of all men most miserable. And this morning, Lord, make yourself real to us, I pray. Bring deliverance this morning in the lives of people that may be bound. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Just before I begin this morning, I'd like to just make mention that I have here, we have our satellite pastors. They should all be here. And I like to have our satellite pastors. I see Danny over there. Danny, stand up, and your wife, brothers, amen. Any other satellite pastors that we have? We probably had some in the early service. Ernie, amen. Elmani, uh, Pasadena, uh, Highland Park, uh, and uh, what is it, Torrance? South Bay area. Amen. Any other ones that we have? We may have had a few also this morning. But we, uh, we have satellites. And we, we, you know, not only are we reaching here, but also, and they're also part of our congregation. And uh, when they're having services over there, we're having it over here. And then we're going to be getting together. Uh, later on, we're going to be getting together. Everybody's going to be coming in once a month. And it's going to be a powerful, powerful, powerful meeting. Amen? Praise God. So it's good to have all the satellite pastors that are with us this morning. Amen. They're all part of our congregation. This morning, we're, uh, we're speaking on the resurrection. 
And there's, more, uh, there's so much in the Word of God concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Christian doctrine. Without the resurrection of Christ, this is why this day is so important. There are some of you that maybe this is the first time this year you've come to church. Shows you it's a special day. Usually Christmas, right? And Easter. Everybody gets religious and everybody comes to church. But this morning I hope and trust that is much more the religion that you will experience. See, anybody could experience religion. Religion, you could have a brand name, but the resurrection, resurrected Christ could only be experienced in a personal relationship, a personal experience with him. And in the word of God, we find that it speaks much of the resurrection of Christ because it's the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It is mentioned not less than 104 times in the New Testament. Over 104 times in the New Testament. And it was the message of the apostles. The topic and their theme was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to be looking in the Word of God. And we're going to look and see how Paul in such an eloquent way brings out the reality of the resurrection. Now Paul is dealing with the Corinthians. And the Corinthians were people just like you and I, that they had a very difficult time to believe in the miraculous and believe in the impossible. So many times we say we believe, but deep inside we really don't believe. See, if we really believe, then it will show through our lives and through our behavior. And the Corinthians had a problem that even some of them were actually denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here we find in chapter 15 that Paul begins to deal with them. And he begins to bring proof. He brings to them the proof and solid proof that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, that he's not in the grave, he's not in the tomb, he resurrected from the dead, and he lives forevermore. Now, Paul brings three things out in the passages of Scripture that we're dealing with this morning. First of all, he brings, and we're going to be dealing with this, he brings, he brings out the testimony of Scripture. Secondly, he also brings out the testimony of eyewitnesses. And he's building his case. Testimony of scripture, testimony of eyewitnesses. And then finally also he brings out the testimony of changed lives. We're going to be taking a look at these three areas this morning in our message. Now, first of all, let us consider the testimony of scripture. Do you know that it was prophesied even in Old Testament, that Jesus would not only die, but also that he would resurrect from the dead. See, as soon as man fell into sin, God made provision. God made provision that there, were, there was someone that was going to come and take upon him the sins of the world. Psalms 
16 and verse 10, it says, this is referring to Jesus, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. And then we also have in the New Testament, and I want you to turn to that in Mark chapter 9. If you would turn in your Bibles in the New Testament, Mark chapter 9. I want you to follow with me this morning. Mark chapter 9. And here we have the account of the, uh, in Mark chapter 9, we have the account here of the transfiguration. And open up your Bibles if you'd like to follow with me. And we're going to begin looking at, at verse 9 of Mark chapter 9 is where those two verses are the verses we're going to be referring to. But before we come to those verses, I want to give you a background on what Jesus was dealing with over here and what was actually happening. We see the transfiguration account in verse 2 of Mark chapter 9. I want you to follow with me. Listen to what it says. And after six days... Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, leadeth them up into a high, a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now, many of you remember that account. And then it says, he was so transfigured, that's why they call it the transfiguration. You see, he didn't have any, Jesus didn't have any sin. And he got in so much communion with the Father, that at that very moment he was lost in the fellowship and in communion with the Father. And the presence was all, all over him, the presence of God. And then it says over here that his raiment became shining exceedingly white as snow, so that no fuller on earth can, can make them as white. And then it says some visitors appeared unto him, Elijah and Moses. And in another account of the Gospels, it tells us that their conversation visitors, two visitors from the Old Testament, Elijah and also Moses. And in the other Gospels, it tells us what they were talking about. They were talking about the death that he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So these two visitors from the Old Testament time, Moses and Elijah, came on the Mount of Transfiguration and they were having a conversation with Jesus concerning his death in Jerusalem. In other words, they were concerned about him dying on that cross. What I mean by concern is that they were depending on this very fact that Jesus was going to die upon the cross of Calvary, not only die upon the cross of Calvary, but also resurrect from the dead. See, this portion of Scripture shows us that his death and resurrection was not only for New Testament time. But his death and resurrection goes back to the very beginning when man began to follow God by faith. Abraham's faith depended on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All those Old Testament saints, their faith, and they were saved through faith in looking ahead to the fulfillment of prophecy that one day the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was going to die on a cross and not only die and be buried, but it was going to resurrect from the dead and take dominion over the enemy. Boy, I'm telling you, that is power. Power. So here you find 
they're speaking to him and they're probably telling him, Jesus, you got to go to that cross. I mean, we're all, we're all on credit. We're all there on, on, on a promise of the fulfillment that you're going to go to the cross and die and you're going to resurrect from the dead. And while all this is going on, old Peter's in the flesh. It goes to show you that you could be in a church service and people be in the flesh. You know, you could tell people when they're out of it, man. You know, you, you, you're preaching, you look at them, their eyes are wide open, you know. They look like they're looking at you, but they're, they're spaced out somewhere. I don't know where they're spaced out. Sometimes I feel like, hey, 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 what are you thinking about, you know. And, and look what Peter did. All of a sudden, verse 5, it says, and Peter answered. He saw this happening, and he got excited. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, he said, man, it is good for us to be here. Well, I like this. He saw Elijah. All of a sudden, he sees Moses. He, you know, Elijah is the representative of the law. And, and I mean, Elijah is the representative of the prophets. Moses is the representative of the law. And, and all of a sudden, he sees them. He gets excited. Man, it is good to be here. And then he goes on, and he actually commits blasphemy. You know, he says, he puts Jesus in the same category as uh, Moses and Elijah. He said, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, actually. It says, oh, therefore, he didn't know what he was saying, for he was afraid. He got so shook up, and he was afraid with this heavenly vision that he was witnessing, that he started to speak, and he didn't even know what he was speaking. And then it says, when he said these words, putting Jesus in the same category as Moses and Elijah, it says there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. Who do you think that voice is? The Father began to speak. And then the voice comes out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. You can imagine Peter as it was. He was scared in the first place. And all of a sudden, this voice coming out of, the, uh, out of heaven, this is my beloved son. In other words, Peter, shut up and listen to him. That's actually what he's saying to him in a very polite way. Be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're involved in. Be quiet and listen to him. And then it says... That suddenly, when they had looked around, it says, and there was a cloud and overshadowed them, the voice. And then it says in verse 8, and suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no man anymore, only Jesus with themselves. Oh, they did their job. They came and they disappeared. And they went back to heaven. And the one that was left was Jesus and themselves. And then in verse 9, listen to this. And this is what I want to refer to. And as they came down from the mountain... He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till what? Till what? Till the Son of Man was what? Risen from the dead. You know, there's a topic. And then he goes on and he says, and they kept, and, and then in verse 10, they kept the saying with themselves, questioning one with another, what the raising, arising from the dead should mean. They didn't understand about this topic of Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And then also, you notice in verse 31 of the same chapter, 
I want you to just put your eyes on verse 31. It says over there, for he taught his disciples. You notice what he was, he was teaching and instructing his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. And listen to what he also he's predicting now. And he says, they shall what? Kill him and what? And after they kill, he shall what? After he is killed, he shall what? He shall what? He shall rise the third day from the dead. You notice it wasn't just something that just happened. It was in the divine plan of God. It was well planned out for the salvation, for your salvation, and also for my salvation. And this is the very same message that we find. We've been studying the book of Acts, and the very message of the apostles and the, and the early church was the message of the resurrection. Every time they spoke, they said, Jesus not only died, but he didn't stay in the tomb and was buried, but he resurrected from the dead and he lives forevermore. He, they said, we serve a risen Savior. We serve a Savior that is alive today and lives forevermore. That was the message of the early church. And also, that's the message that we have today. So as you could see, we have testimony of Scripture. And I could give you much more, I could just, just give you much, many more Scriptures that we find in the Word of God concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have, first of all, the testimony of what? We have the testimony of what? Scripture. And we could rely, how many know we could rely on the Word of God? He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but what? But my word shall not pass away. You may not be able to rely upon the word of man, but you could surely rely upon the word of God. So for the proof of the resurrection, the Apostle Paul has given to the Corinthian church those doubters. He's telling them we have the proof of Scripture. We have the testimony of Scripture that backs up the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, if it's not good enough, then Paul is saying, wait a minute, if you still don't believe, then let me strengthen my case a little bit more. And then he says, not only do we have the testimony of Scripture, but we also have the testimony of eyewitnesses. You know, I'm not, and, and the thing about it, he says he wasn't talking about eyewitnesses that they had hallucinations or something like that. Or somebody said, I had a vision. I mean, they actually saw him, handle him, and saw him with their very own eyes. And not only that, like when we refer to seeing them, we say, well, they live back there. But these people that they're speaking about, that, they, that Paul is, is, is talking about, these people still lived. I mean, they could have went and started asking the very same people that were witnesses of his, of his resurrection, that were eyewitnesses. They could have been interrogated. They could have been also, it could have been confirmed because they were still living when Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church. So these are eyewitnesses that Paul brings out concerning the resurrection. Look at the eyewitnesses that he brings out. He brings out, and here in this very same chapter, he says, well, 
they were seen, it was seen of, of Peter first. See, Peter, was, Peter saw him. And then he says, he was seen of the twelve, twelve apostles. Then he was seen, and notice this, he's strengthening his case. He was seen not only of Peter, of the twelve, but he was also seen of how many? Five hundred people. I mean, you could take that in any court, man, and you could, you could win the case. Whenever you go to court, what do they say? Any eyewitnesses? Whenever there's an accident, did you see what happened? And they take your name and they put the report. Then they say, we want you to come to court. They subpoena you to court so you could be that eyewitness. Now concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there wasn't only one eyewitness. There wasn't only two eyewitnesses. But the Bible speaks about here, and Paul is strengthening his case, that there were 500 eyewitnesses that actually were witness the resurrection. They witnessed the resurrected Christ. And then he goes on, and he says, and... He was also seen of James, and then he was also seen of the apostles, and last of all, yours truly, he says, your servant, also is an eyewitness. I've seen him myself. I, I saw Jesus, and I saw the resurrected Jesus. He says, I am also an eyewitness of his resurrection. See? So he brings out the eyewitnesses. And, and let's take a look at even a few more. And we're just going to take a few more and then move on to our next point. But listen to what it says. Let's look at some of the other recorded accounts concerning the resurrection that we have that were actually eyewitnesses. The angel even gave testimony. Remember when in Matthew 28, you don't have to turn to it, but the angel rolled back the stone to give, and he gave testimony to the woman. And the angel testified. Listen to what the angel testified. Even the angels are testifying. And the angel says, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Don't come seeking the dead. He is not dead. He is not here, but he is risen just as he said and as he has proclaimed it. He has resurrected from the dead. And his promises have become true. The angel gave testimony. And then also, I want you to also turn to John. And let's turn to John chapter 20. Would you do that? Turn with me to John chapter 20. And, and while you're doing that, I'll give you another, another one. If you want to later on look in Luke chapter 24 and verse 15, we have also the two that were walking on the Emmaus road. And the two disciples, and as they were walking, all of a sudden Jesus started walking alongside of them. They didn't know who he was, and he was speaking to them. They didn't recognize him. But all of a sudden their eyes were open, and they recognized that it was Jesus. And then they said, didn't our hearts burn with inside of us as he spoke to us? See, there is something, let me tell you, listen, you never, you never stay the same once you have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. You can come to church and be here and go through the rituals and the motions and walk out and still be the same. But if you get a touch of Jesus this morning, oh, just the touch of the master's hand is able to make all the difference within your life. 
And that's what I'm praying for this morning. I'm praying that God is going to sap some of you this morning and you come, you've come checking it out, but you're not going to walk out of here the same. There's going to be a change and a transformation that's going to take place in your life. You know why I'm able to say that with all the firmness and, and with all conviction? Because he's not dead. He lives forevermore. And he's right here, right now, moving, moving, moving by his Holy Spirit within the hearts of his people. But we always, you know, you got the skeptics looking at me, you know, and uh, always the doubters, the doubters. Well, let's see how Jesus dealt with the doubters. Look in, in, in John, you got it? John 20? Look in John 20, okay? Okay, John 20, and, and beginning in, in verse 19. Now, how many have heard the name Thomas? How many Thomases do we have here this morning? Did you bring a Thomas with you this morning? There's some of you that come and you just, I'm going to check it out. Okay, I'll go. And your wife has been bugging you. Come on, it's, rest, it's Easter. Please come with me. Some of the parents brought their children. Please, it's Easter. At least Easter you should be in church. All right, all right. And you're... Well, I want you to know you've come to the right place. You haven't come to a dead church. I mean, we believe in getting down over here. You know why? We have something to get down about. You know what I mean? Getting down, right? You know, getting excited. Not depressed. Excited. Because Jesus resurrected from the dead. Man, he's, he resurrected from the dead. He's alive forevermore. But there's those doubters. And look, look at this in verse 19. It talks about, it says, follow with me in verse 19. Chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, you notice that they were afraid. The Jews were after them. They were afraid. And then it says, uh, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. You know why he said peace be unto you? Because they didn't have that peace. They were afraid, they were in turmoil, they were afflicted, but as soon as Jesus came, he brought peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace be unto you, no matter what the circumstances you may be going through, no matter what the situation, Jesus Christ brings peace. The resurrected Jesus brings peace. And then it says in verse 20, And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands. Listen, what more proof, man? His hands, nail pierced hands, his side. And then were the disciples what? Sad? Glad when they saw the Lord. And said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. You know what the message that we have? The message of the New Testament is the resurrection. I mean, after they saw that, they went out everywhere talking about the resurrected Christ. In the book of Acts, they went everywhere talking about the resurrected Christ. And then it says over here in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 24. But who? 
There's always an individual that's going to give you problems. And Thomas, one of the twelve, and he was one of the apostles. Man, if Thomas doubted, could you imagine some of the people here? You know, if, if, you, if you really believe, you say it's easy to verbalize, I believe. I believe Jesus. I believe he resurrected. I believe. You don't really believe. The way you show that you believe is by committing yourself to something you believe in. It's easy to just say, I believe, but have you placed your life in his hands? Have you committed yourself to this Jesus? And it says over here, but Thomas, and, and uh, it says over here, and when they had received the Holy Ghost, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Demas, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciple therefore said unto them, we have seen the Lord. But listen to what he said. He said unto them, except, like many of us, right? Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Why well, this guy is stubborn, man? He's not only saying, I want to see it, I want to touch it, I want to put my hands in the nail prints, I want to see the side where they, where they pierced him, and then and only then I'm going to believe. Well, okay. Verse 26 says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas this time was with them. And then came Jesus, and you notice the doors being shut. Now, try to visualize that. I don't know how that happened. I can't, you know. He could have went like this and done one of those invisible. Uh, he could have just all of a sudden, an invisible popped up. Boom, there he is. Everybody sees him, you know. Or he could have just went like this and just walked right through the door, through the walls. It says it was, the doors were locked, and all of a sudden, there he was. He's in the midst, midst of them. And what does he do again? He's always, he brings again... He says, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Thomas, reach, reach either thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach either thy hands, and thrust it into my side. And what does he say? Be not what? Be not faithless, but believing. And then all of a sudden Thomas answered, said unto him, my Lord and my I mean, who's not going to believe, man? That doesn't take a whole lot of faith. And then he starts talking about us. He, then he mentions us, and we are included here in this verse. Listen to what he says. Then he talks about us, and Jesus said unto Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But what does he say? Blessed are they that, blessed are they in Victory Outreach Church. Blessed are they that are on Easter Sunday morning in La Puente. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet they believe. How many you haven't really seen them at the, the way they seen them, but you, how many have, have not? Well, all of you have? <laughs> Boy, you don't like to commit yourself to nothing, man. How many have not seen him the way we, you know, raise up your hand, come on. Raise up your hand, hi, come on. How many of you have seen him like that? How many of you are not here? 
Hallelujah. Well, we haven't seen him the way they, they saw him, but do we believe? We sure do. So he says, man, you are blessed people. Blessed are those that have not seen, but yet they believe. See, so here we find that just like many of us, they had the same problems too. They had that problem of, of doubting. How do I know he's going to do it? How do I know he's going to do it? How do I know this? How do I know? I need proof. I need this. I need the other. Look, here Paul is giving you all the proof you need that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. You see, Buddha, if you're serving Buddha, Buddha is dead <laughs> and buried. No more Buddha. You serving Mohammed? He's dead. Buried. Confucius. Dead. Buried. All these died and were buried. But if you're serving Jesus Christ, Jesus is alive forevermore. He's alive forevermore. I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live, and he that believeth in me shall never die. Resurrected from the dead. And there were eyewitnesses that were able to witness the resurrection. So a case like that in court will stand up. I, we've got it beat already. With all these eyewitnesses, we won the case. But then Paul goes on, let me give you a little bit more, he's saying. Not only is it good enough the, 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 the testimony of Scripture and, and the testimony of eyewitnesses, but then he says, I want you to take a look at something else. And, and the Bible brings out the testimony of what? Of changed lives. We know that he resurrected from the dead because of the tremendous results. The tremendous, uh, the way it has affected mankind. It has affected men and women. Lives have been uh, affected, because, affected because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So not only do we have that testimony of eyewitnesses, but also a testimony of changed lives. Okay, what, what, what changed lives do we have? Well, uh, first of all, we have, uh, we have Peter. You know, Peter, and, and this goes for backsliders, you hear? Peter was a backslider. Peter went ahead and he got, he got under pressure so much when, when they were going to crucify Jesus and, and all the commotion took place. Remember what Peter did? Peter went ahead and he denied him. He started denying and cussing and saying, I don't know him, and he denied him. And then after that, it says he walked out and wept bitterly. He was weeping. He felt bad for what he did. He denied the Lord. But you know, as, and he figured, man, I blew it, it's all over. I don't have another opportunity, but he sure had another opportunity. As soon as Jesus resurrected from the dead, he says, and tell Peter, let Peter know that I am not in the grave. Let Peter know that I am not finished with him and I haven't given up on him. By the time I finish with him, I'm going to make him into that man of God that I want him to be. See, he doesn't give up on us. That's what's beautiful. 
That's why this morning you failed God. You failed him. Maybe you denied him. You let him down. Maybe you've backslidden and you're in a backslidden state this morning. I want to tell you, I have news for you. There is hope for you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What about James, Jesus' brother? I mean, this guy didn't like him. His own brother didn't like him. His own brother didn't believe in him. He says his brothers didn't believe in him. You know when they believed in him? After the resurrection, then they believed. And then James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He became the overseer of the church. But at first, he didn't believe in him. But after the resurrection, so much proof, he became a believer. Then also, what about the effects it had on Paul? Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church. And Paul here is bringing out, listen, he is alive. He says, I have news for you. If you doubt that he's alive, you have me as an example and as a proof that he's alive. And he says it over and over again. He says, I persecuted the church of God. I couldn't stand Christianity and everything Christ stood for. He says, I would take people and have them killed. And I would take them and take them into prison. Then Paul gives his testimony. But one day as I had that hate and animosity inside of me, and as I was walking on that Damascus road, something happened to me. That risen Christ came. I had an encounter with him. And that very moment, my life was totally transformed. You see, when you come into an experience with Jesus, you know what happens to you? There's an about face. You walk in one way, you know, in, in sin. Then all of a sudden you say, Jesus, praise the Lord. Boom. You know what I'm talking about? The things you used to love and you hate. And you look at it, oh man, how in the world did I do that before? See? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You hear that? New creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a transformation. There's a turnaround that takes place within your life. And this is what Paul is talking about. He says, you want proof? Look at the changed lives. And then he says, look at me. He says, I was a persecutor of the church. I hated Christianity. But one day on that Damascus road, oh, he got a hold of me. And when he got a hold of me, my life was never again the same. And he actually died and was willing to die for the Jesus that he first didn't believe in. Because of the resurrection of Jesus. And let me give you just one more. One more. And proof and one more testimony of changed lives. Look at yourself. Look at that person next to you. Wife, look at that husband. Husband, look at that wife. God is giving you, I mean, we're still, in, we're still on the construction now. You know, he gave us, a, give us a little break, you know. Give us quebrada, you know. We still, there's still room for more growth. But he's not what he used to be. 
she's not what she used to be. You're not, you don't talk the way you used to talk. There's been a transformation that's taken place, that's taken place in your life. You wouldn't come to church before. Now you can't, we can't get you out of church. And last of all, let me drop this in. It's a good place for me to drop a little of my testimony. Come on now. You know, I've been changed not only inside, but outside too. You see, it starts on the inside and then it shows on the outside. I was on MacArthur Park now. Every time I go to witness, people run from me. I go to MacArthur Park and I want to reach, you know, I want to witness to those drug addicts. So I come like this and I'm walking down to them, you know. And all of a sudden they look, oh, la huda. And I don't know, and some of these guys, security guys here in our church, they take their job serious. You ever see when I walk out of the church, I have a big guy next to me walking security guys. You know, they say, take care of Sonny. You know, it's all right, they take care of Sonny, you're a big guy. Usually I have Big Tom or Ben, one of those guys, you know. And over there, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, Tom, he starts coming and walking by me. And he's got one of those big walkie-talkies like this, man. And I see the people looking and saying, look at this guy, the walkie-talkie, on your all going like that. And I said, Tommy, get out of here. Leave me alone, man. Get out of here, you know. It's bad enough I look like a police officer, and now you walking with me. When I start talking to those characters over there and I start telling them, you know, Jesus could change your life. You don't have to be smoking that coke and you don't have to be taking that. Yeah, how do you know? And how do you know what we're doing? How do you know how it is to be over here? You know what I do? I take off my sleeves. God has kept that for a reason. This is, this is turn I still got those scars. Over, I don't know, 30 years ago. Something like that. But they're still big from the scars. And I went like this to a guy. I said, you take a look at this. What is that? How many do you have? Let me see what you got there. <laughs> and I said, you know why? You know who changed? Who, you know who made the difference in my life? You know who was able to transform my life? You know who was able to set me free? It was Jesus, that resurrected Jesus that not only died upon the cross of Calvary and was buried, but that he rose again from the dead and he lives forevermore and he's still in the changing business. He's still in the saving business. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, the testimony, the testimony of changed lives. I see a sister right now, I won't even point her out. She testified Friday. You weren't here, you missed out. She got up here, we don't tell, we don't tell people what to testify. She got up here and she says, man, I used to be a prostitute. And I had this, you know, I had my the trick. I was working for a trick and working for this guy. And, and I was out there prostituting. But I want you to know. And I want you to know, she said, that Jesus Christ has come into my life. And the Lord has changed my life. And then we have the people that goody, goody, goodies. Come in. 
Oh, but I never even broke a plate. <laughs> Why, these people, they really needed God. <laughs> you know, I think you need God more than anybody else. <laughs> you, know, you know what sin you have? Sin of self-righteousness. Our self-righteousness is as filthy what? wrecks. All have sin and come short of what? There is no not righteous. No, not. Where do we get our righteousness? In other words, even if you've never shot a needle, even if you've never taken a pill, even if you've been goody-goody all your life, but if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're going to go to the same hell that the thief goes to. You're going to go to the same hell that the drug addict. You're going to go to the same hell that all these sinners go to. Because you need to be born again. Nicodemus said that he came and he came by night. What must I do to be saved? He's religious. Religion ain't going to get you there. Just putting, saying, I'm for victory outreach, Lord. Yeah, but let me see. Are you born again? Nicodemus, he says, marvel now that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He who is born of flesh is flesh. Marvel now that I say unto you, you must be born again. So there's the testimony of Scripture concerning the resurrection. There's the testimony of eyewitnesses. And then last of all, there's the testimony of changed lives. Lives that have been transformed by the power of God. What more proof do you need? Huh? What more, what more proof do you need? I mean, you got it all. And this morning, if you walk out of this, this church, you walk out of this building without getting your life right with God, it's not because you haven't heard the gospel. You've heard it this morning. You've heard the account of how Paul brings out testimony of scripture, testimony of eyewitnesses, the testimony of changed lives. And this morning you could come. He says, come unto me, all ye that are laden and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Those that are without peace, he'll give you the peace. He says, my peace I give. Not as the world giveth, give I unto thee. And he wants to give you all that you need this morning. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.